Well, as I said, we're in the third week, chapter two of the Jonah series, where we're looking at Jonah now thrown overboard in the belly of a fish. And uh, I want to start with verse 17 from chapter one, uh, where it talks about, where it says, and the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. I, I start there because that's really in the Hebrew text, the first verse in chapter two. I was studying, and I'm like, I kept coming up to this verse, and the Hebrew, you know, it's different because it reads from left to right, and, or right to left, and, and I'm, I'm reading, and I'm, I keep seeing the numeral one over there next to this verse, and I'm like, wait a minute, that's chapter two. What's it got a one front of it? And I'm trying to figure all that out, and of course, that's the Hebrew text. The English translations have broken it at a different place. It still says the same thing. It's just broken at a different place. But when you break it at a different place, it also carries with it a little bit some different significance as you look. And one of the interesting things here is that, that it does have a little bit of difference the way you read it. When you read the conclusion of chapter 1 where the Hebrew text ends it, it says that so they picked Jonah up, threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped raging. Then the men feared the Lord greatly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And, and you're, there's something that's being said there that, that maybe you don't get as a current audience, as, a, as the ancient audience, but today there's something there that we, maybe there's a, a tie-in to a story later. There you go. Just think about that. But there's also this cliffhanger at the end of this first verse, right? It's like, so what happens to Jonah? Well, he's dead, right? He's got to be dead. And then we go to the next verse, which is the Hebrew chapter 2, or chapter 2, verse 2, but it's our chapter 2, verse 1. Don't mean to confuse things, but this is what it says. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. That's, chapter, that's verse 1 in chapter 2, right? And he was there three days and three nights. And then in chapter 2 of our Bibles, it starts, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God from the stomach of the fish, and he said, I called out of my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. I cried for help to the, from the depths of Sheol. You heard my voice. I want to stop right there because we see that Jonah's praying in the belly of the fish. But we read before that he was thrown into the water. He was thrown into the depths. And he says here, I'm crying from the depths. See, the picture, I think, that's different, I struggled with it, maybe you're not struggling with it, but I did. It was like, I'm reading this, and so is all this happening in the fish? So was the fish, as you see in a lot of pictures or a lot of paintings, like there at the side of the boat, like, like this, and they throw him into the mouth of the fish, and that's not what happens. When they break it differently, it gives you a different picture. It gives you this timeline, like they threw Jonah over the side of the, water, over the, side of the boat, and God caused the fish to swallow him up. But that's not what happened. If you read on what Jonah says here, he says, for you cast me into the deep. You cast me out into the deep, into the water. That's what we see. And Jonah starts to cry out. He says, into the heart of the seas. And the current engulfed me, all your breakers, you know, the breaking waves, and the billows passed over me. So he's underneath the water. So I said, I have been expelled from your sight. Nevertheless, I will look toward your holy temple. Water encompassed me to the point of death. That word Sheol earlier is the land of the dead. 
says, the great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I descended to the roots of the mountain. The earth with its bars was around me forever. What we get here is a picture of Jonah drowning. Jonah is thrown overboard, and he's not thrown into the mouth of the fish. He's thrown into the deep. And for the Israelites, there's no greater terror. There's no further place that you can go on this planet than into the sea. It's a place of terror. It's a place of death. And that's exactly what Jonah was experiencing. He was drowning, is what he's describing here. And, and I know that seems, you know, we, we kind of pass over that and because it's Jonah, right? We know the end of the story. Fish swallows him up, throws him on the land. So he's okay. But it was traumatic for what he's experiencing. And, and I think it's important to understand what he's going through and what happens as a result of that. You know, when I was 11, we were floating on the current river in Missouri, it's a rapid river, and we did it on inner tubes, and we were, I was with my mom and dad and some other family, and I fell out of an inner tube as we were getting out, and I was washed down the river underneath some brush, and I was caught underneath the brush and kept going underneath the water, and I'm yelling, and I'm yelling, and I'm yelling, and I think I'm dying, and my dad finally comes over like three days later and picks me up out of the water <laughs> and sets me up on the land, and I was like, Oh my gosh, did you not hear me? And they're like, well, you're okay. And they were all just talking like nothing had happened. And I'm like, I was dying over there. And you're just like, nothing's happened. And, and that's the same thing here with Jonah. Jonah is dying. He's literally dying in the water and drowning. And he's going deeper and deeper and deeper. And he's at a place where he's, he's at his last breath. Jonah's expressing something that is, is, is traumatic for him. And he's not able to help himself. He's in a world of trouble. See, a lot of times we find ourselves in a world of trouble and, and we, 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 don't, we make light of it or we don't think it's important, but it's important. This is a foreshadowing of something. But Jonah says something interesting. He says, for you cast me into the deep. Remember the story from chapter 1? Wasn't it the sailors that threw him into the water? Right, and didn't Jonah tell them to throw him into the water? So what does he mean by saying, God threw me into the water? There's something more going on here in the story that we'll get to, but I think when we read that, it causes us some, some problems when we have that picture of things. Right? Because... Sometimes we have this idea or we, we have this belief or we've been told that God's highest priority is, is my comfort, my safety, and my happiness. And so when I experience trouble and turmoil and we experience chaos around us and, and all this starts happening, it's like, wait a minute, that's, that's, that's not the way it's supposed to be. And it's confusing and it, it doesn't make sense. And that's true, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense with the Bible because that's not what the Bible teaches Read the biblical accounts. I mean, look at the story of Jonah. Look at the story of Abraham or Joseph. Or look at the story of John the Baptist or the disciples. Or look at the story, better yet, how about of Jesus Christ himself? No. When you read the biblical account, what you see is that God's highest priority is to call a people unto himself. 
and to transform them and to mold them and to shape their character into the image of His one and only Son. God's highest priority for our life is to shape us into the image of Jesus so that we could come to understand the truth about who God is, the truth about who God is, the truth about who we are, and the truth about others. And we find that in Jesus Christ. And we're told in this story, and what we see in that is that we make horrible captains of our own lives. Because oftentimes we set sail for destinations of our own pleasure at the expense of others and really not even considering others. We go our own way. And that usually doesn't end up well. And some of us are like, well, I don't have a problem with that, right? I mean, because right now the seas are calm and you're kind of like Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet in Titanic and you're out here like, like this. This is life right now. Right now. When Jonah got on the boat to go to Joppa, the waters were still. And the story's reminding us that God is sovereign, that God is in charge, that God knows what's going on. And Jonah now realizes it. See, Jonah's been trying to drown out God's voice. He doesn't want to hear from God. But we see, going into the next verse, what he says in starting in chapter 7, while I was fainting away, while I was dying in the water, I remember the Lord. And my prayer came to you in your holy temple. Do you hear what Jonah says there? He says, as I was dying, as I was like, like my last heartbeat, I remembered the Lord. And I prayed to him. I find that so interesting. It's twice now he says in the water that he prayed. He didn't pray when he went to Tarshish. He didn't, he didn't consult the Lord there. He didn't pray when the sailors said, pray to your God so that we would be saved. No, Jonah didn't pray then. When does Jonah pray? When he's in the depth of the ocean and there's nothing else he can do. Jonah prays. See, a lot of times, the Lord will let us run away and keep running until we get to a place where there are no distractions, a place where we can remember him, a place where our Sight isn't blocked out by everything that's going on. There are so many distractions, so many screens, so many activities, so many fears that drown out God's voice. And his desire is that we would get to a place that, that we would see him and we would remember him and we would cry out to him. And that's what Jonah does. If I get to a place where that's all Jonah can do, someone once said that once you get to a place where Jesus is all you have, you realize that Jesus is all you need. And that's what Jonah realizes. And so where does he turn? He, he casts his eyes toward the temple where God's presence resides, where God promised to speak to the Israelites. That's where he turns. And something extremely shocking happens. God heard him. And God listened to him, and God saved him. Now, I say that's shocking, 
And maybe it is to you and maybe it isn't. But when you think about it, it's like it is shocking because Jonah was a disgrace as a prophet. He did what no other prophet in the, in the scriptures say, right? He, he ignored God. He disobeyed God. He did not do what God said to do and ran away from God. He was a disgrace as a prophet. And yet, he has the nerve when he's finally dying to pray to God. But yet God hears him. And it says in the words there, it's actually not just hearing, but listening, attentive to what Jonah was saying. And he rescues him. How does he rescue him? He sends a fish. and swallows him up and saves him. But he's there for three days, right? And so he's praying, and you're, you're sure he's probably thinking, who knows what he's doing? But he realizes God sent a fish to save him. God heard him. It had to be shocking to Jonah. Jonah knew what he had done. It, it would have had to have been shocking. I mean, it's his last resort, right? He cries out to God, and God hears him and answers him and saves him. It had to have been remarkable for Jonah. And we, we see in Jonah a message for us today. You know, so, so the message is like, are you running from God? Is God commanding you to go this way and you're running another way? Here's what Jonah says. Stop and pray. Do what I didn't do. Don't wait till you're at that point. Pray. When, are you finding yourself at your lowest point doing something that you said you would never do again? praying that you would never find yourself there again, and in the middle of that place, you have this disgust for yourself. In the middle of that time, Jonah says, pray. Because God sees you. and God hears you. And God wants you to know that he hears you and that he sees you and that he has a way out for you. Do you doubt your sincerity? Do you doubt your motives in your prayer? Jonah says, pray. Are you in over your head? Maybe because of something you've done? Pray. Is there anywhere you can run that God doesn't see you? Is there anything that you can do that would limit God's care for you or concern for you? Jonah says, no, there is not a place that you can go that God does not see you that God does not hear you, and that God cannot rescue you from. That's what Jonah's telling us this morning. Pray. When everything around you seems to be chaos and the circumstances around you seem to make you feel like there's nothing that can be done, Jonah says, pray. In the middle of this virus, we, of all people, should be on our knees praying praying for the people around us, praying for the nations around us, praying for our families and praying for our church. We, of all people, have that hope and certainty and knowledge that God is still with us. He is still on his throne. Jonah saw that from the deep. And Jonah says, pray. But one of the things I hear from people is, well, I don't know what to pray. And if I knew what to pray, I don't know, I wouldn't know how to pray. And Jonah teaches us that too. He teaches us what it is to be a horrible prophet, but he does teach us how to pray, and that's honestly. If Jonah's nothing, he's honest. 
He, he said exactly what he, what, he, what he said. I'm not going. I'm not going. How many times do you say that, not out loud, but in your heart? Jonah's honest. He cries out to God. He tells him exactly how he feels. He's angry. He's disappointed. And now he's afraid. And he cries out to God. That's what we do in the midst of prayer. We cry out to God with honesty in our fear and our anger and our disappointment. Let me tell you this. I'll guarantee you there's nothing you say to him that will surprise him. The psalmist says, before the word is ever on your lips, he knows it. There's nothing you're thinking that you can't say out loud to God. It is healthy, it is good, it is right to express your concerns. That's what prayer is, is crying out to God, expressing what's on your heart. He wants to hear, he wants to step in. Cry out to the Lord. And some are saying, well, I don't know what to say. Well, here's the start. Pray the prayers you hear others pray. Pray their prayers. I know some of you are saying, well, that's kind of cheap, isn't it? That seems kind of like cheating. You know, like, right? Is that even legal in church? Can I do that? And I'm like, yes, you can. Jesus did it. Go read Psalm 22 today, and then go and read Jesus' words from the cross as recorded in the Gospels. Many scholars believe the words that Jesus is saying from the cross is because he's praying Psalm 22. Now, I know some of you sticklers are going, well, wait a minute, that's not plagiarism. He wrote those words, didn't he? Those are his words anyway. <laughs> well, that's true, they are, but he's got a point, right? He's teaching us. He's always teaching his disciples, and he's teaching us, pray the Psalms. Pray the Psalms. That's what Jonah did. That prayer that Jonah's praying, you can find in the Psalms. Maybe not just in one, but you, you read the Psalms, which Jonah would have, he would have known them all by heart, all of them, even Psalm 119, he'd he known them all. But here, let me just read to you Psalm 69 and see if you don't hear this prayer. Just one Psalm. Save me, O God, from the waters have come up around my neck. I sink to depth to the deep mire where there is no foothold. I have come into the deep waters, and the flood sweeps over me. Deliver me from the sinking mire. Let me be delivered from the deep waters. Let not the flood sweep over me, or the deep swallow me up, or the pit close its mouth over me. Answer me, O Lord, for your steadfast love is good. According to your abundant mercy, turn to me. Hide not your face from your servant, for I am in distress. Make haste to answer me. If you want to know how to pray, Read the Psalms. Spend time digging into the Psalms and see if you don't find people just like yourself, people just like you trying to navigate this life in this messed up world, crying out from their heart, saying things sometimes that will make you uneasy, that they're that honest. But if you can learn to pray the Psalms, if you can learn to pray what's on your heart, your relationship with God will go to a whole new level, a whole new depth. If anything, we want to be honest with God. And then we learn by doing that to be honest with one another. Honesty in the Psalms. And the section concludes, chapter 2, it says, after Jonah says, 
those who regard vain idols, he's really talking about himself there. You know, that's who I was regarding. He said, but I will now sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will now praise the Lord. And at those words, it says, then the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah up onto dry land. You know, some are offended at the word vomit, you know, because some of the translations say spit. And that's really too nice because the word vomit really is a nice word based on what that Hebrew word is. There's a lot more description in that, a lot more like in that. But really, it's, it's interesting when you approach this narrative, as you approach any narrative in Scripture, use your imagination. That's what the writer wanted you to do. That's why they're so descriptive in using words like that, because it can be a little bit humorous and give you a picture that you get. And what I get when I read through that and reading what was written before, I think about Jonah being spit out on the dry land and looking like this giant sushi roll, because he was told earlier that his head was all wrapped in seaweed. Right? You've had a role like that, anybody? Yeah. So, I mean, that's the picture I get, which is kind of funny. And you see this language. It's meant to make you sort of like react to it. But there's other things. Remember last week Mark said that when you start to see this trajectory of Jonah, because it's described in the words that say he went down to Joppa, he went down into the ship, he went down to Tarshish, he laid down in the bed. And now this week we find out he's gone even deeper. He's going down into the depths of the earth, down to the bottom of the sea. Jonah is physically going further and further and further, and we see this description, and when you read between the lines, you see these things. But there's another one that I want to point out to you. Let me read to you back in chapter 1 and into this chapter. It says, Arise and go to Nineveh, the great city. The Lord hurled a great wind. There was a great storm, and they were greatly afraid, and because there was a great storm, and they feared the Lord greatly, and the Lord sent a great fish. Seven times we see the word great. You don't see that in all translations. You need to start reading other translations. Open up your Bible apps, your Bible app on your phone, Bible Gateway. Break out of the NIV ESV rut. You can get into other translations. You'll find things there. You'll dig, 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 dig into the scriptures, and God will reveal things to you. There's something greater going on in the story is what, Jesus, what God is saying here. There's something more. There's something greater. Jonah is from Gath Hefer, which is only a couple of miles from a town called Nazareth. You heard of a prophet from Nazareth? There was Jonah who was in a ship asleep while the storm raged and everybody was afraid and they woke him up and when they did what he told them to do, the storm calmed and they were amazed and they worshiped God. Does that sound familiar? another story maybe on the Sea of Galilee? You know, Jonah's name in Hebrew means dove. There was another man who went down into the water, came up out of the water, and a dove lit on his shoulder, and a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son. Jesus himself said, this generation doesn't deserve a sign, but I will give you a sign, the sign of Jonah. As Jonah spent three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, so will the Son of Man spend three nights and three days in the belly of the earth. This story is a foreshadowing of something greater. It's of Jesus. We see that now because of Jesus. 
we can see Jesus in Jonah because Jesus has come. Jesus is our salvation. Jesus has descended to the depths to rescue us. And he is now our salvation. And he stayed there and took our death, but then was resurrected and promised us new life because of what he has done. He is our salvation. He is God's great compassion. That's what Jonah's foreshadowing. Jesus' death and resurrection. You know, the early Christians knew this, believed that. They saw it. In the catacombs outside of Rome, a lot of Christians were buried in the catacombs underground. And, you know, there's even stories that some Christians gathered there to worship because they were afraid of persecution. But they went there and they buried a lot of Christians. And one of the things they started doing in the second century is they started painting and, and etching and drawing these pictures on the catacombs and on the sarcophaguses. And they, they, they painted those to relay a story to the generations that would come after. And most of these stories were images and, and drawings of stories from the Old and the New Testament. The story of Jonah is one of the most popular you'll see painted throughout all of the catacombs. And they see this story as the story of Jesus coming, of his death and resurrection, and an assurance of that generation that will come after them that this isn't the end, that life will go on because Jesus has come. And we see that now in the, in the scriptures. We see Jesus everywhere. Do not be afraid. What if when this life ends, what if on the other side, right, there's no more death? What if this happens? What if there is no more death? What if there's no more dying? What if there's no more coronavirus? All the coronavirus ends. Dementia has done its worst. And we go down into the depths of the earth, breathing our last breath, and we come up on the other side. And, and what we see and what we experience in that new life with a new body that doesn't age, that doesn't die, there's no disease and everything is beautiful and we see Jesus just the way he is. Not dimly, but fully, just the way he is. And we see humanity living with one another with peace and harmony and we look at each other and we're going, and I was afraid of this? Really? The story of Jonah is a reminder that something greater is here. We keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. We keep our eyes fixed on salvation. That's why St. Teresa of Avila said this, in light of heaven, the worst suffering on earth will be seen to be no more serious than one night in an inconvenient hotel. Now that does not mean that this life is easy or we're making too much of what we're going through because it's painful and it's scary and it, and it hurts and that's real. I do not mean to diminish any of that. But the scriptures teach us in light of heaven, if we can put everything in the proper perspective, there's nothing to be afraid of. Nothing. Because something greater than Jonah is here. 
Something greater than the coronavirus is here. Something greater is here. His name is Jesus. And that's why the Apostle Paul can say, I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God is for us. Who could be against us? So we can leave here today with the full assurance that Jesus sees us, that he knows what it is that we're going through. And even if it gets worse, he's still on his throne. We are to be the church. We can be the calming force in this world. We can reassure our neighbors. We can reassure our loved ones. We can reassure our families that God is still on his throne. That he sees you. When you find yourself in that situation where you think yourself unworthy, he sees you. Jonah says, pray, because God loves you that much. He loves you so much that he sent his son so that you could have that assurance for the rest of your life. I pray you remember him today. Remember who you are. Would you pray with me?